0: From the New Shell 5 Network, this is the Takus McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour. Welcome to Takus McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour, where we explore the many issues that arise due to aging, disability, and unexpected illness. I'm your host, Tim Takus.
1: And I'm Barbara McGinnis. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about advanced directives. What are they? What documents do you need? What happens when you can't speak for yourself any longer? We're going to start with Tim and I just talking about the legal documents you need and the consequences and just start off pretty easy. Tim, tell us what what is an advanced directive and how is that different from a living will?
0: An advanced directive is uh, basically a broad document that says if I need health care or if I'm in a situation where I can't speak for myself, this is what I want it's not a living will, although a living will is a form of an advanced directive. A living will is, is a document that speaks for you if you have a terminal illness or you are in a persistent vegetative state and you find that you want, you, you declare that you want certain things or you don't want certain things. That's what a living will is. But the advanced directive is a broad document, so um. it's a...
1: Living will has a, a fairly narrow scope of utility. Right. And Everyone really needs an advanced directive.
0: Exactly, and of, of some sort. Now, now can I, I'm, I'm gonna come back at you and ask you, okay, so what is a healthcare power of attorney?
1: A healthcare power of attorney is a document where a person names another person to be their advocate and spokesperson when they no longer could speak for themselves. The document could actually uh, be effective immediately under certain state laws. But it's it's really just about naming a person. Um, a lot of thought and care needs to go into who that person is. Right. It's not necessarily, doesn't have to be your spouse, it doesn't have to be your oldest child. It needs to be someone that's, a, that's qualified to be a good advocate, somebody that knows what you want right. and is willing to stand up for it. Mm-hmm. What kind of information would that person need to know to be able to act as a, as a good advocate?
0: Well, the chances are pretty good that a lot of, the, a lot of our viewers may be a healthcare agent and don't know it,
1: <laughs> and we'll true. talk, and yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. in, just
0: a, in just a moment, um, you know, and I think Barbara, you alluded to it, is, is, is it a pers- the, the type of information that a healthcare agent, and we'll call it the healthcare agent under a healthcare power of attorney, has to have is is that they have to know what you want. So if I'm the one that's making the healthcare power of attorney and let's say I'm naming my wife as my healthcare agent, it's probably a pretty good idea that Lynn would need to know what it is that I would want and what it is that I would, what I don't want. Right. I mean that's, ultimately that's like it.
1: And I know that we think having a healthcare power of attorney um, is probably the most important thing, more important than living will, we do refer to it as an advanced directive because right. our ad plan for advanced care is to have this person, right. this agent, make decisions for us based on our values. Right. You know, it's a person that knows and loves you, cares mm-hmm. about you at least. Right,
0: and is, and is able to advocate for is you. Is able to
1: advocate based on, and can make informed decisions for you. So yes. they take information from the medical provider, the mm-hmm. doctor, mm-hmm. and filter that information through what they know to be your value system and make decisions that they know you would want.
0: Right. So how important does it, is it to have a conversation with your loved one, your healthcare agent, about what quality of life is for you?
1: Yeah, no matter how uncomfortable that is to talk about Uh, the dying process or end of life terminal illness, it's essential that those conversations take place um, because it's more than just, do I want to be on a ventilator? Do I want a tube feeding? A lot of people get that far because- Those are easy. Yeah, those are the easy questions. But it's, how do I want to live uh, in my final days? What's Mm -hmm. most important, what am I willing to live with? Um, What's a deal breaker, you know? Um, And then, but you have to tell that person. You have to give them a chance to know how to make those decisions by having those conversations. Right. There's lots of resources and tools to help make that exactly a, um, right. an easier process. And
0: certainly, you know, over the next uh, hour or so, we're going to be having conversations with a lot of folks that are working with us every day.
1: Absolutely, you know, they can
0: tell us about the situations that they've seen. Yes, you know, and how the, how important healthcare powers of attorney or advanced directives really are. Um, so, do you need um, both an advanced directive and a healthcare power of attorney, or what?
1: Well. I think a healthcare power of attorney is the most important document of of the two. Uh If you're going to have an advanced care plan or a living will, my advice is usually that you only share that document with your agent Uh uh, because it serves as a guide for that agent. Your Uh healthcare providers need to know who the designated decision maker is, how to contact that person, in what order? Hopefully, mm-hmm. it's not a committee that's making these decisions. You don't have all of your children right. listed.
0: Right, and we've seen that mistake yeah. too. I, I remember years ago when my father in law was having a surgery, I think colon or like part of his colon or something or small intestine being removed. You know, we were in the hospital and, you know, and we were seeing the nurse that comes out with the clipboard. Yeah. You know, and gathering the, gathering the family around and start asking, okay, what do you want? Yeah. You know, like it's a—it was a healthcare decision by committee.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and that's certainly—I mean, obviously there was—that's one way to do it, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you get what you want.
1: Right. Right. Um, when, when should when should you have one of these documents?
0: Well, I, I think our our view here is is that as soon as you turn age eighteen, or you become a legal adult, or both. Right uh then somebody should sit you down and say okay son daughter or whatever you know you need to sign you need you need to think about this and you need you need to sign one of these documents
1: right and you know, maybe
0: in that case it's going to be your parent or somebody like that
1: mm-hmm. but you
0: still have to have that conversation you, somebody is still you know you 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 know no we're all not guaranteed anything other than
1: we're not guaranteed tomorrow, right? Exactly. So you need to have someone designated to make those decisions if you cannot speak for yourself. We never know when we're going to be in in an emergent situation. Mm. Elder law attorneys, we think about people at the end of their life, right. maybe with a chronic illness, but.
0: Yeah, because I think you're, I think your good you're, the point that you mentioned yeah. earlier was a really good one. Is is that there are easy decisions to make. I mean, there's most people that oh, they would say, well, I don't want on life support if I'm gonna if I'm terminally ill. Yeah. I don't want to be on a ventilator if I'm gonna die soon anyway. Right. The harder questions are things like, okay, your loved one, maybe your spouse or your or your your parent, you know, has an advanced Alzheimer's disease and then maybe develops pneumonia or some other infection. You know, how aggressively do you think that's, that you want that person to be treated? Because chances are they can go through a regimen of treatment, you know, and get over it, but is that really what they would want? And and those are hard decisions to make.
1: Well, because what you're getting to is quality of life and chance of recovery. And a young person that may be in a car wreck may have a better, you know, may or may not have a chance of recovery, but the Mm -hmm. older, but still go back to a normal, healthy, functioning life, perhaps, whereas the older person that you're saying, Alzheimer's disease, pneumonia, we're recovering back to what kind of quality of life. Right,
0: Right. and then I think the flip side of that is is that people will say, well, I don't wanna be hooked up to a tube or a feeding tube. Well, sometimes feeding tubes are therapeutic,
1: and some of when we're actually going to come back and have guests, and yes. we're, and some of our Hopefully, guests are going to yeah. be uh, physicians, and we can talk about some of those treatments that may just be temporary, supportive, right. while they're recovering through mm-hmm. uh, an acute illness versus being at the end of a life. And um, all of those are the factors that are the basis of informed consent, then for your right. agent to. Is wa- which
0: is which mm-hmm. is why I think we what we often tell our clients is name a healthcare agent that you trust yeah. and that can that can advocate for you and knows what your wishes are, yeah. and if you get into that situation, you've got someone there on the ground that can assess the situation and say do this and don't do this. Right. Rather than looking at a document that says well my mother says she doesn't want to do this. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good idea or not.
1: I read somewhere recently a a drafting tip is keep it short.
0: Yes, which is what we do. Yeah. All right, so up next we'll be speaking with a family physician. What does your family doctor need to know about your health care wishes? Stay tuned.